This is InfiPod. Stay tuned to Infi Amplified only on InfiPod. Greetings, hello and welcome to this very interesting episode of InfiPod. Well, today we are going to be discussing a buzzing topic around us and in all IT firms, generative AI. Well, you know, from helping us write personalized poetry to creating art to writing codes, generative AI is shaping the way we think, function and deliver. Well, many organizations are embracing this technology in various forms. You know, some even creating their own AI platforms. And we too at Infosys have introduced the Generative AI Fest, including the first ever organization-wide AI hackathon to keep our Infosions updated with what's trending in tech. You know, but the right question to ask now would be if we are ready for this era of modern tech. You know, there's always another picture. Are we fully prepared? What about ethical and uh, legal concerns and also the role of government bodies in shaping its future? So why not let's hear from Prasad Joshi, our SVP and head of Infosys Center for Emerging Technology Solutions, ICETS, and Fazul Rahman, our AVP and head of the intellectual property cell Infosys on their thoughts. First of all, Prasad and Faz, welcome to Infipod. How are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you, Jude. Thank you so much, uh, Jude, for inviting me. Pleasure's mine. Thanks a lot, Prasad and Fares, for making some time to be part of this podcast. I'd like to start uh, with Prasad first, and here's a very pertinent question, I would say. You know, because the conversation is always about how generative AI is going to benefit us. But Prasad, can you tell us a bit about the ethical concerns related and how we can address them? It's a deep question, Jude, and thanks for bringing it up upfront as part of our conversation. A lot of excitement around generative AI, what we saw in November 22 as part of the ChatGPT launch. There has been a phenomenal interest and uh, there is a new model released as part of the GPT-4. There is a lot of buzz around GPT-5 coming in. So, so this area is moving really, really fast. I would sort of premise that by saying that the area is moving really, really fast since November, but it has been around for a period of time. Generative AI in theory is not new. Things like large language models, transformer architectures, just to sort of put that background in play and this ability to generate content, whether it is art, whether it's video, whether it is text, uh, whether it is code and, and some of the capabilities that can be used in that manner have been around. But it does bring up a very interesting dilemma over what ethics is supposed to be in this case. Upfront, this is one of my favorite areas that technologists, whether you go all the way back into history or look at some of the relatively modern things like use of uh, atomic energy, you always had these issues about uh, what happens with the scientific research that came out and created a certain power and how that power is harnessed by the society and, and the leaders and the communities that tend to use this, uh, which tends to bring out this aspect of or a spectrum of things that are ethical to things that are sort of, sort of starting to go out of limits and start to need regulation and and probably some of the best examples of these kinds of dilemmas being put forth are things like the US elections and the influence that occurred uh, during that period of time and how ethics suddenly moved towards legislative capabilities, data privacy, respect for sharing data, the, the European regulations that came up. And you could see that what started in social media as interpersonal friend to friend kind of options now suddenly is being regulated and there is heavy penalties that the corporations or entities will have to think about. This is very common when it comes to technology evolution. Now coming to generative AI, 
this area is rife with issues. I mean, for example, when I first used ChatGPT, my instantaneous reaction was, oh, wow, am I going to lose my job? Brings up an ethical question for you. Then there were reports of kids writing their essays or writing their poems, fifth graders, sixth graders, using a tool like this, which again becomes ethical issue as to how do we bring it in. We'll have to harness this in, in some terms as to the evolution of the society. I remember as a graduating engineer in my undergraduate class, I was not allowed to use programmable calculators. We were only allowed to use scientific calculators and things like lock tables and so on. We had to physically carry our books, the, the lock table books, to look up things in it. Fast forward to me being the father and my child learning in school, she was asked to bring a programmable calculator to exactly address the same kind of mathematical problems that we were learning. Ethics had evolved where society had accepted over a period of time, This, in this case it's probably a 25-30 year gap, where the societal understanding of what is important in that child's learning had evolved to say, Let's use scientific calculators to programmable calculators and, and something like that. I'm picking up a very simple, trivial day-to-day -day example to highlight this. In generative AI, a lot of information that is ingested by this AI to learn whether it is supervised, unsupervised, and a lot of it is unsupervised, is information that is fed to it. And it is, it is ripe with issues like images, photographs, songs, text that has been ingested. Do they have the right copyrights? Is the legal framework that protects us as human beings today used in order to create these capabilities? Or am I using something that has been learned in the process? And I don't think they're mature enough as a society at this time to have a full flow view of this. So we will go along the way, we'll learn along the way. We will put guardrails in terms of making sure that code that is generated by generative AI is protected the right way, that we put in practice rules of how things are going on. And over a period of time, I fully expect the ethics to be balanced with rules, regulations, compliance measures. And that is how things will come into play. But till then, we will continue to have this question of, is it ethical? Can I use this generative AI? Can I is it going to put me in trouble and, and get into the wrong side of ethics? Right. Thanks a lot, Prasad. Like Prasad spoke about ethical concerns. Fez, can you share what are the legal concerns that you could tell us about in generative AI? Sure. Yeah. So from legal perspective, the situation is, is evolving. I think the, uh, the issue is pretty relevant. And the answer is right now not clear. The technology has moved forward. A lot has changed. Generative AI is a technology against which law still has to catch up. We don't have all the answers. There are two dominant things to my mind, which are doing rounds, which will continue to impact the advancement of generative AI and will continue to you know, keep things little ambiguous, even from business perspective, because until the law settles, you know, the challenges will remain. So the, there are two issues, like uh, one is, which is uh, a bit fancier, but very central. The law, as it stands, does not recognize anything which is authored by a machine. It only recognizes, say, a software written by a human. There's a requirement of human authorship. And it is not just limited to software. It could be technical specifications. It could be high-level, low-level design, test cases. Anything and everything that you do around software development lifecycle is if it is generated by uh, a system, a machine, at this moment, the answer is not clear that whether it is even legally IP. If it is not an IP, then it has its own downstream challenges when you 
engage and sign up with your customers, with your vendors. And there are, you know, laundry list of issues that can potentially creep in, you know, if there is no clear ownership. So that's that's one fancy issue. There are certain countries who are who are right now debating bills, you know, and uh, in the laws to bring in those changes. And I'm I'm hopeful that in in a couple of years globally there'll be a consensus and countries will recognize uh, AI authored software or uh, or designs, etc. Now the next issue is a little more convoluted, which is about training of AI system. Now, as we all know, training the system is is at the very core of how AI generative AI is going to to develop. So any ambiguity on that front will hit where it hurts the most, because if you don't know what is the legal way to train your system, you know, there are challenges and it could lead, you know, it could question the very basis and the foundation of a particular system. So, you know, if I expand this a bit, I would, you know, refer to to a pair programming AI systems, which are trained on, let's say, open source code, which is authored or developed by, you know, millions of, uh, you know, open source projects, you know, developed by millions of people. Now, if that code is used to train an AI system, whether that is from the legal parlance, is it quote unquote fair use? It, is it uh, legally valid to use someone else's work, someone else's uh, efforts to train your own system and have draw an advantage out of it? Uh, that also is not clear as we speak. There is no clarity in the law in most of the countries. Uh, some countries like Japan and Singapore have made some progress. UK has taken a lead. They are proposing a bill in their parliament where they are going to legalize using someone else's code or someone else's specifications to train your own AI models. So these are the few examples some of countries which are taking lead, but most of the countries are right now either silent or waiting for certain lawsuits to give guidance that whether they would eventually recognize such kind of a training of an AI model to you know while using someone else's um, IP or someone else's code or design. So this is a you know very uh, pivotal issue to my mind. Unless that is sorted, I think we'll we'll have some ambiguity or a lot of ambiguity rather in the air, and uh, we'll have to see where it all goes. Until that happens, I think we'll have to you know live with uh, this ambiguity. Mm-hmm. All right, Prasad. Thanks a lot. I remember you mentioning about authorization. You know, now that reminds me to ask uh, Prasad, how important is the role of government here? I mean, what's the role, how important the role of government is in the development and the future of this AI? Interesting area. In general, uh, living in America, I think uh, technology development evolution is a very interesting space where if I look at programs like NASA and moon landing, it was significant government intervention, funds allocation, and a human grand challenge being picked up at that scale. In many ways, generative AI is, as of now, a private enterprise. Uh, OpenAI is probably the most dominant lab that is uh, currently pushing things. There are shades of uh, evolution that, that we'll have to cater to. So, for example, if I look at how do we make sure data used is correctly used it is protected that unwarranted areas don't go up and if there are legal complications of that there is a governing organization and and i'm I'm going to loosely use the word government and governing organizations in that sense they'll have to make sure that there are so, so this could be corporate governance which is on similar lines they'll have to put the guardrails to make sure 
certain capabilities are used for the purpose and the intentions that are declared. We see this in data privacy laws, for example, which are enacted by the governments that if you collect data from a user, you should disclose why are you collecting this data intended usage and for how long these kinds of things are stated in the law and and the governments can play a role in terms of creating such capabilities and establishing the early bed on which we regulate or we make sure that there is sufficient protection there will also be areas that talk about sovereignty for example data or information that is projected used in a certain country versus the other geography and and what is the balance that needs to come up in that arena there is also a funding role that the governmental bodies agencies will have in terms of the evolution for example usage of this kind of technology in applications pertinent for space pertinent for uh, defense applications uh, versus societal applications where you're looking at children's education and what they can do and the benefit and I am always excited by the benefits that the technology brings up, the doors that it opens. The governments have an enabling role to follow in terms of uh, what this needs to be done. And still early days, I think what we will see is a lot of research or output coming from private labs, so to speak. But there are bodies that are working. And, and if you follow that loosely defined view of everybody has a role to govern, every individual has a role to govern, entity has a role to govern, and then there are governments. And they foster the right usage. They also foster the adoption of capabilities as they are evolving so that ethics to legal framework is correctly managed. And in many cases, funded right. That's a role that other role that governments provide. I think that's how I see this area being sort of fostered by governments across across the world. All right. All right. Thanks, Prasad. Faz, what issues do you see in usage of generative AI for, you know, client projects? And could you talk to us about some of the legal steps needed before we do that and why? Yeah, there are, you know, two core issues that the way generative AI systems work is, you know, is bringing to the fore. One issue is of memorization. So when you train your AI model, sometimes it learns with such a high degree of fidelity that it outputs uh, the training data itself to the end user. So what the end user receives as a suggestion or an output or a generated output, it is possible that some of it is as is, quote unquote, as is produced or churned out what was given as an input training data set. Now that if you expand this a bit, you know, position some great challenges. It may remember some of your confidential data. It may remember some of your uh, privacy related uh, data. And it may even remember your uh, IP itself. It may remember your code. It may remember your design and produce that design to someone else. Now that is a, a lot of uh, reach. Though it happens with very low frequency, you know, there are claims being made of that being like two to five percent, three percent kind of a number. But nevertheless, you know, you know, if a very confidential data is churned out, it could be a serious disadvantage, it could be a breach of confidentiality, privacy, IP, all you know, sorts of issues it can bring to the fore. So that's one issue we you know we need to be very conscious about that's why we always encourage people or you know alert people that not to input anything confidential private or ip of your organization into the ai systems that's one second is uh, you know if it is being used to service a particular client because a lot of you ai generative ai users will use it to serve other customers or other organizations now, the code and design that it may 
take as a as a prompt as an input could be legally speaking ip of your your customer or of your vendor now your you know contracts with those customers or vendors could be so drafted that you know any ip that they own should not cross your firewall can it lead to some sort of a breach of uh, confidentiality or license violation i mean again the the answer is great but it is always advisable to stay safe and what we should uh, attempt to do here is to take explicit written contractual consent with uh, your client or a partner or a vendor before you use their code or designs etc as a prompt while you are uh, you know using a, a generative ai system of of a ai provider because these systems could be very well hosted on cloud and you know you these ip of your client or partner may cross your firewall which is uh, like i said it could attract uh, some of the confidentiality breaches or even privacy breaches so so i think uh, what it calls for is you know some additional contractual clauses to be to be tabled to your clients or partners get it amended and then use it so these two things i would uh, i would recommend that we should be very careful of one is a memorization and second is of uh, of confidentiality violations All right. Thanks a lot, Faiz. Prasad, the usage of such platforms still needs to be monitored. I mean, regardless of how AI makes processes seamless and you know so efficient. So, tell us how do we provide the required education or training to people? You know, to ensure the appropriate usage of uh, these platforms. That's a very strong question, Jude. In terms of how we see, for example, our employees picking this up. On one side, there is the excitement, the positivity of learning a new technology, applying it, and we have picked that up. So, in the beginning of our podcast, you had talked about the generative AI hackathon and the fest that is going on. To me, that's a mode of learning where people can apply their mind, solve problems, and work it in. And then we need to augment that with, for example, we have privacy by design secure by design kind of uh, rollouts and capability development that is going on inside our organization that allows us to tell what is right uh, what is the respect for data that you are using how do you protect it how do you make sure that the infrastructure that you are using is correctly uh, used in 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 line or in accordance with the policies uh, of what we have put as guardrails this will have to be repeated i think the space of evolution of some of these areas or bodies of work is so far that we'll have to continuously remain on top and ensure that both the new bodies of uh, knowledge that are getting released and training learning around it as well as the guardrails so so the role of ethics and what does it mean to do ethical software development what does it mean to follow open source licensing models and options of that kind what does it mean to respect each other's data and data privacy related parts some of these foundational courses training is already in our uh, Uh, lex-based uh, capabilities that we deliver. More is to be expected in terms of uh, putting the right uh, training, learning for the generative AI capabilities and platforms. Right, Faiz. How do we provide the required education or training to people? You know, to ensure the appropriate usage of these platforms. I think that's uh, you know very important. Adoption is very important for success of this technology. And of course, you know, answer of these legal issues 
are important but likewise even the users need to be careful and clear in what is at play here so education is very central again i would champion the cause that we should not shy away from this new technology everything when it evolves it takes time to settle down and things will go the right way i'm sure organizations must uh, kind of take good note of the issues and try and solve it rather than shying away from it it requires you know guidelines to be drafted do's and don'ts to be evangelized communication training etc to happen and even more important is to get a full loop of feedback from the end users what issues what concerns what thoughts the end user uh, users have at the ground level so the feedback mechanism is is also important so these things need to be to be conveyed the education process needs to be continuous and i think that will you know you know solve certain risk or mitigate certain risks but but this is important that we convey what are the privacy concerns what are the security concerns what are the quality concerns what are the ip or legal concerns all of this needs to be conveyed uh, there are a lot of uh, ethical concerns that are at play so all of this needs to be conveyed to the end users the continuous education is is important and once that is in place i guess uh, you know the certain anxiousness that is that is there at present with different stakeholders will go away we have seen that there are some people who are championing generative ai there are others who are uh, not so you know not not so uh, invested into it so this whole spectrum needs to come together and debate deliberate and you know come up with solutions rather than staying away or trying to avoid uh, to avoid the risks Right. Thanks a lot, Fez. Prasad and Fez, I'm sure that we now definitely see a larger picture. You know, everyone's experimenting with generative AI, including businesses who are leveraging this for better productivity. While we are applauding the reliance and competence of AIs, we also need to consider that it is still a work in progress and the great responsibility that comes with this. Thank you for answering and you know clearing some of the most common questions when it comes to generative AI. This was a very insightful session. Prasad and Fez, thank you once again for joining us on Infopod and talking to us right here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jude. Thank you so much. Stay tuned to Infi Amplified only on Infopod. This is Infopod.